It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first time of the Hail Mary 3 by OP. Get that cabbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 896 of Locked On Raptors for uh, Wednesday. Yeah, it's Wednesday. Wednesday, March the 3rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network as well. We've got tons of great stuff for you coming down every single day on the network covering all the big four sports, the NCAA, big national shows, all that good stuff. So please, and find the shows covering the teams that you like and support them. Okay, on today's show, we are going to talk about one of the most meaningless games in the history of the Toronto Raptors. I'll say it, this game meant nothing. It was a loss to the Detroit Pistons, uh, down many, many players for the Toronto Raptors. OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, uh, Patrick McCaw, Malachi Flynn, their head coach, Nick Nurse, all their lead assistants outside of Sergio Scariolo. Uh, it was rough going for the Raptors as they did not have the horses or the manpower to overcome the Detroit Pistons in a 129-105 loss. We'll talk about the utter meaninglessness of this game. We'll talk about the things that maybe went sort of well and some of the things that went particularly poorly and if there are any actual takeaways to be gleaned from this game, which was just another example of the NBA not really caring about what the product is as long as the product gets on the court, which is very strange to me. Uh, You know, you'd figure you'd want quality over quantity, but I guess in the case of TV deals and all that stuff, maybe that's exactly the opposite of what the NBA wants, and they just want to throw whatever slop they can on your television, and thus this game went ahead. Uh, and it was bad. It was really, really bad. And look, maybe the Raptors have made their own bet a little bit. It sounds as though, uh, per the reporting of Shams Terania, that maybe the positive tests flowing through the team, sounds like multiple positive tests, uh, have stemmed from some lackadaisical mask etiquette from the coaching staff in particular, which is not surprising considering Nick Nurse really loves to take that mask off to enunciate. I can only imagine what he's not doing when he's on the sidelines. And so, yeah, maybe it's a deserved karmic loss for the Raptors because of their handling of COVID-19, but I think it's uh, it's fair to cut them a little bit of slack, honestly. They're living in Tampa. They It's a virus that can get in one person and become a bad thing, and it's tough to stop the spread. So I'm not going to sit here and play the blame game or anything like that, but the result of the Raptors' COVID outbreak issues, whatever you're calling it, was this 129-105 loss to the Pistons. We'll dive into it. Now, so biggest takeaway from the game, 
I think I kind of went through it. Nothing means anything from it. If you are a person who watched that game and are like angry about the performance of the team or like think it means something about the overall quality of the team, clearly you're wrong because this is what happens when you're missing OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Fred Van Vliet, the second, third, and fourth best players on team, the first, third, and fourth best players, whatever order you want to put them in. They were missing three of their four best players. And this is a team, of course, that does not have more than seven or eight guys that you trust on any given night that is going to cause some problems, particularly when those three guys you're missing are your three best defensive players who are the most responsible for your defensive scheme. And when you're left with Kyle Lowry, who is still a very smart defender, still a good team defender, maybe not the best point of attack defender anymore, and Norman Powell, who is not a good defender more often than not, outside of some opportunistic stuff where he jumps passing lanes, with Aaron Baines playing center as sort of the backbone of your starting five, you're not exactly going to be world breakers on defense. And that you know, sort of manifested itself in a 20 of 41 clip for the Pistons from three in this game. They score 129 points. And look, there's some element of the Pistons being insanely hot in this game. You know, Wade Ellington goes eight of 11 from three. Svi Mahaliak goes five of nine. You got Roddy Magruder going four of six, hitting every single thing he took. And those guys in particular kind of carried the day on the offensive end for the Pistons, at least from three. And, you know, How upset can you get about that? Maybe not so upset, although there were some certain breakdowns that I think kind of point to things we've already kind of known about some of the players on the team, in particular Terrence Davis, who I think is worth talking about in this one. We'll actually get to Davis in the second segment because that's more of a a big takeaway in terms of the negatives. But back to the lack of your three very important defensive players, you know, you saw their absences manifest themselves in a lot of different ways. You had Kyle Lowry just not having any support around him, no you know, tertiary ball handling, secondary ball handling, or anything like that. You saw Lowry and Powell see attention all over the place. You know They were the best players for the Raptors in this game by far. 36 points for Norm on 14 of 20 shooting, 5 of 8 from 3, an unbelievably efficient game considering the attention he was seeing. And Kyle was efficient as well, 21 on 5 of 11 shooting. He was 3 of 5 from downtown, hit a big heave uh, and banged it in at the end end of the third quarter as well to juice those stats a bit and those guys were awesome but they saw a ton of attention they clearly got tired as the game went along they couldn't find assists anywhere because everyone was bricking everything they were setting them up with and that's the result you get is a a stat line that has those two guys leading the way and everyone else just kind of bringing up the rear Um, they only had six players score in this game despite 10 players getting into the game you got Watanabe going 0 of 3 DeAndre Benbury goes 0 of 1 in 27 minutes which was a weirdly quiet offensive night for him considering he's been so opportunistic and you know cut happy and all that stuff there just wasn't the room for him to do that I guess is the defensive uh, attention really kind of got into Lowry and Powell and cut off those passing lanes. Aaron Baines being out there certainly doesn't make space for guys to cut into under the basket. Uh, you had Paul Watson go over three as well. Stanley Johnson was over three. He was particularly bad, especially shooting those threes. He had an air ball. Uh, and when you have four guys who go over, that's bad. <laughs> I don't know. That sound analysis from Sean right there. Um, you know, it, it just everything kind of dominoed effect after not having those those three guys it just there's not much you can do and when you're missing your 
I guess, next guys in line to be lead ball handlers in McCaw and Flynn, that's only going to exacerbate the problem. They were useless in the minutes where Kyle didn't play. They rarely found any sort of lineups that worked together. Just too many liabilities out there at a given time. It was either Terrence Davis making a defensive miscue or uh, Watson or Johnson or Utah Watanabe missing a three. You know, Aaron Baines was fine, I guess, but his defense was pretty lackadaisical in this one. He was uh, at, at fault a lot when it came to the Wayne Ellington threes, you know, playing a drop coverage, and there was just a, all the space in the world after guys were getting caught on screens, missing Ellington as their assignment, and Baines nowhere in the vicinity, so Ellington was free to just fire away. It's what happens, man. <laughs> you can't take much from this one and say and apply it to what the team is actually going to be about in fact like the guys who you would think are the good players who should perform well mostly performed well even Chris Boucher you know he played 25 minutes in this game he think he played the last 16 minutes because Sergio Scariolo was pretty lean with his minutes early on in this game and played in the final 16 thereabouts and he was fine you know he he had some shots he was missing his threes but he was active he was working as a dive man he had some blocks good stuff from Chris Boucher I guess for the most part although playing out of position in the first half in particular when he was mostly playing center he's so clearly not a center it hurts and he was getting bullied by Mason Plumley, for example and other many centers on the Detroit Pistons um and you know so Boucher was good. You had Powell and Lowry were awesome, and Baines was fine. Those are the guys who were in your rotation anyway. They performed well. It's the guys who were on the fringes who were thrust into roles that are way beyond their talents that were bad in this game. And I, I don't think that's a surprise. I don't think that's something to get upset about. Yes, the loss hurts in a very tight Eastern Conference, but also a loss is not going to put you out of things in the very tight Eastern Conference. They're a game or two away from climbing back above 500 at any moment and getting back into the four seed at any, any moment. I think the Celtics went from 10th to 4th last night with one game. So I'm not too concerned about the race or anything like that. Yes, they play again tomorrow against Boston on a back-to-back. They could lose that. That could be rough, but for the most part, there's just not a lot to take from this one to really be upset about. They gave it a bit of an effort in the first half. They lost their steam as the game went on. Basically, the story of this one. I'm going to dive into a couple of bad performances that I think probably sort of speak to some issues with the team going forward as constructed if they are going to uh, you know, be forced to go into their depth beyond eight guys in the future. There are some guys who I think have kind of ruled themselves out of being deserved of those minutes, and Terrence Davis is one of them. I'm going to get to Davis in just one second, but first I want to tell you about our friends over at CBDMD. March is National Sleep Month, and as the official CBD of a good night's sleep, our good friends at CBDMD want to help you celebrate the right way. They've got dozens of options to help you relax, recharge, and enhance your nighttime routine and there's nothing more calming than a nice hot bath. CBD bath salts fuse superior CBD with a mixture of Epsom, Dead Sea, and Himalayan salts to turn any bathtub into a luxury spa experience. Choose from lavender or eucalyptus scents or a soothing nighttime blend with melatonin and calming herbs. Then you've also got the CBD bath bombs, which provide a refreshing, relaxing bath experience combining 100 milligrams of CBD with essential oils, Epsom salts, and calming natural scents to help you soak away the day. And boy, is this not ever a time to soak away the day. Maybe you want to soak away a horrendous Toronto Raptors loss where they had no players available because of the plague. Well, guess what? CBDMD is here for you there as well. And to make it even easier to relax, regroup, and recharge, they're offering all of our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com. Promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. 
Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar, who are making the best tasting protein bar money can buy. And coming up this month, they have a very fun little promotion, the Built Bar Bracket. It's basically March Madness, but for Built Bars. And so, A, go buy some Built Bars, test all the flavors out, get a taster pack, for example, and then you can make your votes at BuiltBar.com as to which flavor should reign supreme. I think the top seed should probably be something like lemon almond cheesecake, perhaps mint brownie, which is a classic, also toffee almond rocks. You know how big a fan I am of toffee almond. Maybe that sneaks in there as like a three seed that no one expects but goes all the way. Either way, their bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they're great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for keto diets as well. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON20, and get 20% off your next order. That's the promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And keep an eye out over there for the Built Bar March Madness Bracket. All right, so let's get into some, I guess, earnest takeaways from some of the players who took part in this game. Terrence Davis, I think, comes to mind as someone who was particularly wretched. This was a game where Terrence Davis got the start. This was a game where Terrence Davis had an opportunity to maybe win back the affections in terms of his on-court play. I don't think anyone's going to have affections earned back for his off-court stuff. But in terms of on-court play, a nice game from him tonight. Might have gotten him back in the good graces of the coaches, whatever. And he was brutal. He had six points, three boards, an assist, two steals. Uh, three turnovers, which I believe all came in rapid succession, it was 2 of 11 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3. And I just, it's its time to not play Terrence Davis minutes anymore. He's not an NBA player. They have more than enough basketball reasons to move on from him right now. He's been consistently the most disappointing player on the roster all season long. He makes mistake after mistake. He Anytime he does score, he gives it back on the other end with a foolish overreaction in a foul or a missed assignment, a missed Wayne Ellington, which he did like four or five times in this game, leading to those threes for Ellington, getting caught up on screens, missing the coverage, and just letting Ellington fire away. Maybe guard the guy who's going 8 of 11 from three on your head. Just just a thought. And Davis just, he doesn't offer positive contributions. He really only offers scoring and everything else is a struggle. He drives into the paint and has ill-fated attempts at layups and gets it stripped away or kicks it into the out of bounds or just gets it stri- like t- dribbles it into the hands of somebody else. Like it's just he doesn't make smart decisions. He's always moving faster than his brain can keep up with. And unless he's just taking a standalone catch and shoot three or making the odd drive, there's really nothing positive that he contributes. And again, you can get that offensive stuff from a lot of other people on the team. I mean, tonight I would have been happy to play Jalen Harris over Terrence Davis, considering Harris's whole thing is he can get buckets, and the Raptors were in desperate need of secondary buckets in this game, and Davis was just not it. You know, the, the two fouls as well, he's constantly fouling, constantly getting in foul trouble in short amount of time. He just, he doesn't offer positive things on the floor and I don't know what the coaching staff still sees in it maybe it's just the odd offensive flourish that really kind of gets them going but there really are so few reasons to keep playing Terrence Davis at this point it's ridiculous and I just it goes beyond the the off-court stuff as well which I have my feelings on it are well known and the fact that you know the details of the case are what they were and the fact that he still has to go a year without getting in trouble and had to pay restitution and all this stuff it's very clearly something bad went down there And even beyond that, like, I know that color is how I feel about Terrence Davis in a lot of ways, but I feel like just 
putting that stuff aside for a second, although it should never be put aside, it should always be front of mind, he's just a bad basketball player. And I don't think you need to have a, a, a sort of negative feeling or a negative bias towards him to realize that. he He's just not good at basketball and keeps making boneheaded decisions time after time when he's on the floor and it just continues he just keeps getting a run and obviously he was going to get run in this game because there was no one available and theoretically he's one of the more talented players on the team if he ever put it all together but he can't put it together and he's regressed significantly since last season when there were times where he looked like oh this guy could be a legitimate rotation piece in the playoffs last year didn't get the run Nick Nurse didn't trust him and maybe for good reason because he does a lot of things that are going to betray the trust of a coach when he does earn it he's just he's a nothing out there he he just does not offer anything i thought he was just inconscionable to have on that in that lineup in the starting five. And look, like I said, it's not like it was a bunch of world beaters defensively out there. Lowry's diminished a little bit this season on ball. Powell is Powell. Watanabe tries really hard, and I don't think he's at fault for defense. But if Watanabe is like your best defensive player on the floor, there's a problem. And Davis just amplifies all the problems. That team, that lineup could play picture perfect in terms of rotations and you know playing beyond their heads a little bit but Davis can make one faulty read and it can all fall to shit and that happened quite a bit in this one and it continues to happen anytime Terrence Davis plays he's not a good basketball player he should not be getting minutes for this team you know even when they're completely uh depleted by COVID-19 there's just there's no reason to have him picking up minutes he actively detracts from the team whenever he's out there and maybe this is a little too scathing but and like totally coming off of one game but if you are taking anything from this game this game proved that Terrence Davis just really does not have a spot in the rotation should not have a spot in the rotation when they are at full health because there's just nothing that he does that no one else on the team can offer and he does things defensively that very few other team guys on the team will do to take away from the team when they're on the floor so that's my rant there a couple other guys to give some notes on um you know Baines I thought was fine again his defense was not perfect his finishing remains leave stuff to be desired let's put it that way you know there's even times where he's like I'm gonna dunk it and then he gets like the slightest bit fouled and can't finish the dunk you know, it's just he's he's fine. He's starting overexposed, I think, would be the way to describe Aaron Baines in a game where he started tonight. Um, I, I much prefer him off the bench, and again, I much prefer him playing in that Killer Bees bench lineup with Chris Boucher. And I, I think Boucher was hurt by having to play center in this one too. And I, I don't know, you know, you could have probably found a way to start small in this one. I think you could have gone like Powell, Lowry, Watanabe. Bembry and like Johnson or something like that or if you wanted to get crazy and throw in Matt Thomas you could have I suppose too there weren't any great options with the pieces available but I think there could have been a way to maximize what the lineups were and I don't think Sergio Scariolo did a great job and look it's his second game as a head coach he's under duress he's got no players it's a little bit unfair to totally judge the guy but I thought he didn't do himself many favors in finding the most optimal lineups with the players he had on hand didn't play the Boucher-Baines thing very often. I thought the best lineup they could have gone to in this one was like a Lowry, Powell, Bembry, Boucher-Baines. We only saw that for a few minutes in the third quarter, very sparingly, and then it was gone. Um, I thought that was their best shot. It combines, you know, the hard screening of Baines to get some space for Kyle and Norm, who had a lot of attention being paid to them. It's got a little bit of shooting uh, in the form of Boucher and Norm and, and Lowry. And there's just like enough defense, I think, out there to probably get by too with Ben Bree and Boucher on the wings. 
they didn't go to that lineup very often. And, you know, like I said, the usage of Boucher, Boucher was weird in this one. The usage of Davis was over the top in this one. Not a great game from Scariolo, but again, you cut him a little bit of slack because the circumstances were dire and this game should not have been happening, period. Uh, that's kind of all I got in terms of like takeaways from players who underperformed in this game. I will close things out with just some thoughts on what happens tomorrow against the Celtics and again, just kind of rehash the stupid meaninglessness of <laughs> the season, the game, I don't know. It's really tough to talk about. I'm in a very strange and um, just aggrieved mood today, as you can probably tell through the microphone. Um, we'll get to the final thoughts in just a second. But first, let me tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Also, baseball is coming up, baby. You can get into those futures. You can get in on the awards picks, stat leader picks, all that stuff. Uh, also, you can bet on the Raptors to lose to the Boston Celtics tomorrow, which is probably going to happen if they don't have their players available. You get real-time updated odds and props and almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to get that bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we'll close this thing out in just one sec, but just a heads up, on tomorrow's podcast, it's more uplifting stuff. I'm joined by Samson Folk of Raptors Republic. He joined me to talk about a wonderful piece he wrote on OG Ananobi, who we did not get to see, but we did get to see exactly how important he is with the way the Raptors lost this game. Uh, and we talked about his development, particularly on the offensive end, as he dove into in the piece he wrote for Republic. Uh, it's really great. We recorded it this afternoon. So I want to say there's a reference to the Raptors beating the Pistons maybe in there. That was foolish clearly uh and so the that to look forward to me looking dumb is always a nice thing for you to tune into on the podcast but samson is not dumb he's amazing he's so smart and good at writing and articulate and we had a wonderful time talking about og it was really fun so that'll come out probably thursday afternoon sometime keep an eye out there uh okay let's wrap this thing up and just sort of reflect on like what are we even doing here if you're the nba like I know I talked about this yesterday and I'm kind of rehashing old things I've said before, but like it just perplexes me that the NBA is just okay with the virus, which yes, there is a certain level of control these teams have probably over maintaining it. But also if you're the NBA and you're putting this season on, you should probably be building in the expectation that you're going to have teams get afflicted by the virus. And in those cases, I don't know why you wouldn't just say, okay, we'll postpone the game and we'll do it another time because it just, it was a bad basketball game. If you're the NBA, a, a league that has had bad product night after night, and even when they have good games, like last night, like the, the Sixers, the, the Suns and Lakers game, you get like Devin Booker getting ejected for nothing in the third quarter. And that, that just makes the product worse. You have the NBA just falling over itself to put the worst possible product out there this season without any sort of consideration for, oh, maybe we just extend the schedule a little bit or we take some games off or whatever it might be. 
but they're just powering on through and you're seeing bad games basically every night as a result and you also have a league where like we don't know who's good we don't know who's bad we don't know what anything is because none of these games are played on an even playing field none of these games are predictable it's like the NHL where nothing matters everything is made up every like the there's parody but it's fake parody like this is what this season feels like And I just, I don't know why the NBA is okay with it. And I know why the NBA is okay with it, but it's just baffling to me that they are okay with it, that they're okay with these games being put out there every single night and them having absolutely no juice to them and absolutely no stakes or meaning because, oh, well, how are you supposed to take anything from this game where this X player is out or these two players are out or this whole team is out? Like, it's just, it's nonsensical to me. It's a bother. Um, And, you know, thankfully this one was saved in part by the fact that Norm Powell and Kyle Lowry were awesome. It's probably worth just closing off on a quick note on them and what they did in this one under a lot of pressure to do everything for the team. Um, Norm Powell continues to be awesome. Uh, You know, gone from a guy a month ago who I thought, hey, maybe trade that guy to get an upgrade. I don't think you're getting an upgrade on Norm, man. He's really, really freaking good. He's going to get the hell paid this offseason. He had a couple plays in this game where it was like, how did he create that out of that? There was one in particular in the third quarter, I want to say, where he drove through two guys late in the clock and just with like two enormous steps got to the rim for like an easy layup after having guys all over him at the perimeter. It was beautiful. The 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 finishing for him, the cutting for him is so nice. The three-point shooting feels automatic at this point. He's been outstanding. And really, I thought for a second he was going to give the Raptors a chance to win this one because he was scoring so efficiently and because the Pistons had nobody to guard him whatsoever. And then on the Lowry side of things, I mean, it was a Lowry game. What do you expect? He was a freaking monster all over the place. He kicked a dude in the face, which also feels very Lowry. Uh, <laughs> and he got a tech for it. Um, Seku Dumboya just, uh, you know, getting up in there um, and trying to trip him. Maybe deserved it. I don't know. I don't want to say a guy deserves to get kicked in the face, but I understand what Kyle was doing. Uh, and I just, you know, it was a wonderful Kyle game. And every one of these games, even in a losing effort in a game that means nothing, it's still a gift to watch Kyle Lowry play the way he plays because he's a delight. And again, for a second, looked like he might will the Raptors to win. And honestly, that's kind of the joy of Lowry in these games where, like, yeah, maybe they're they're outgunned. Maybe it's not going to happen. We've seen him sort of lead skeleton crews before. And that's like he gives you the hope that he can take a skeleton crew and turn it into something special for a night. And that was the sort of magic of this game up until the fourth quarter where things really got away from them. Or I guess the third is when things really got away. But, you know, even then he hit that heave before the fourth. And I was like, mm, is there some like Dallas magic here for Kyle to come? And that's the the majesty of Kyle Lowry is he always makes you think there's a chance your team might come back. He's like the Matt Devlin of NBA players in that he's always hinting at the chance of a comeback. It's beautiful. Um, so shout out to Lowry and Powell for at least making this a relatively entertaining game for two and a half quarters or so before things got out of hand. I also think we should probably just take a sec to credit the Pistons and shout out Dwayne Casey, who proves once again that he's a very good coach. And look, this Pistons roster is bad. They were missing Jeremy Grant. They're missing DeLon Wright. They're missing a ton of dudes. Blake Griffin's just like hanging out, waiting to get traded. This is a rough roster. And Dwayne Casey hasn't played hard, man. They have beaten all the good teams, which I guess is a good sign if you're the Raptors and you're a Raptors fan that the Pistons beat the Raptors. That means the Raptors are a contender. Um, But like they're they're turning a not good roster with Dennis Smith Jr. starting and Mason Plumlee being the hub of the offense and Wayne Ellington at age 
30 something starting and like Saban Lee coming off the bench who by the way that dude looks really good he was really fun he was the most terrifying member of the Pistons tonight I think and it was a night where a lot of dudes had insanely good nights um but it's just like credit Dwayne Casey man also love the pettiness of him like he had a challenge with like four minutes left in this game with the Pistons up 24 really good stuff I love how salty he gets about the Raptors and uh, I respect it honestly I can't really blame him you know not that I disagreed with moving on from him at the time but I could certainly understand why there would be some sour grapes on Casey's part going out uh, the way he did and I hope he carries the grudge, grudge with him for the rest of time because grudges are good, are good and healthy actually um, but yeah like the, the Pistons played well they had two guys get triple doubles in this game which is a feather in the cap of Gerald Henderson <laughs> loving Raptors fans everywhere. Uh, Mason Plumley 14, 11, and 10. Uh, Smith 10, 11, and 11. Not like oh, astounding triple doubles or anything like that. Real Ben Uzo bash triple doubles, but still triple doubles nonetheless. And, uh, you know, credit to Dwayne Casey. It didn't work out in Toronto, obviously, ended poorly, but uh, always a very good coach. And certainly the kind of coach who can coach up this kind of roster that the Pistons have into being something respectable. And a team that, you know, took advantage of it on a night where the Raptors didn't have their dudes. And credit to them for that. I am going to wrap it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. I can't believe I turned that game into a 30-something minute podcast. Uh, I'm a professional, you see. You're welcome. <laughs> I guess uh, I'll leave it there. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Subscribe to, rate, review, all that good stuff. It's always appreciated when you support the podcast. Uh, and we will talk to you again. Like I said, on Thursday afternoon, that episode with Samson Folk will drop. We'll talk about OG Ananobi. It'll be uplifting and happy before the Raptors take on the Boston Celtics tomorrow on the second night of a back-to-back where they're traveling traveling to Boston without six coaches and five players. It's going to be great. Uh, That'll do it. We'll talk to you again Thursday with our episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.